The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Uptrich Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Welcome, everybody. We're grateful you've joined us here today. You might be listening live here at 1150 AM KKNW in the Seattle area or anywhere around the world on TransformationTalkRadio.com. If you're listening after the fact, you might be listening on one of the dozens of podcasts this ends up or on ChristineUpchurch.com. But wherever and whenever you're joining us from, we're grateful to have you here. And I think you're going to be grateful, too, because we are going to be talking about health from a perspective that I don't know that we've ever talked about in the seven-plus years on this show. Uh, but before I say hello to, to our guest today, I want to say hello to the man behind the technology, Mr. Benny Mathers. Hey, Benny. Hi, Christine. How are you? I'm doing well. Good, good. I'm, I'm thriving in the midst of ground zero of the COVID-19 coronavirus. Right. Uh, and with the construction zone, did you park your dump truck okay? <laughs> Do you have plenty of room for it? Yeah. Make sure you got room for it. You know, uh, it seems to me that before they're able to drive some of those big machines in yeah. the construction zones, they should take a little bit more time practicing how to, like, maneuver out of them so they don't have to, like, go back and forth and back and forth trying to, like, just, you know, maneuver just the right way. It's all about the pivot point. I don't know until yeah. you're in there. You don't really know. And there's some tight turns around in these uh, this building complex of ours, so to speak. Yeah, so. yeah. And also, yeah. it's a good lesson to me that... Yeah. I need to leave extra time, just in oh, case. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> Aha! Okay, Comes take out. a little responsibility. There you go. a girl. And speaking of taking a little responsibility, yeah. I'm working to take a little bit more responsibility for my health, not only in terms of how I eat, which we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but um, taking some precautions. Yep. We are here at Ground Zero. Uh, there have been numerous cases of mm-hmm. coronavirus Unfortunately, there have been several people who have passed away, and and my condolences to the loved ones of those who have passed on. Um, and it's it's really clear that it's 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 hitting home because mm-hmm. in my school district they've closed all the schools. North Shore School District mm-hmm. is closed until I think at least March twenty fifth, uh, and they are teaching people from home remotely. University of Washington today, yeah, they just, closed all their classes. What's uh-huh. that, 50,000 students? Uh, for a face-to-face interaction. Uh, they right. can still do online activities exactly. and so forth like that. So obviously we're taking the, those necessary precautions. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, I just found out that uh, my son took his car in to, mm-hmm. to get it repaired last week. And the dealership where he took it, uh, somebody there has come up with coronavirus as well. Really? Yes. Wow. So it's like... So the thing is, gotcha. how do we have a healthy immune system in the midst of all this? There you go. And how do we go from this place of just concern to, you know, thriving, not mm-hmm. to not to fall into fear? Um, anyway, it's it's an interesting time to be alive here in the yep. Seattle area. Mm-hmm. The more education we know about it, though, the better. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think that it really benefits not just to listen to, like, the CDC and the, the, the national government information about it. But the state and the county and also I think it's helpful to be on local social media. That's how I found out that there was coronavirus at the place where my son had taken Mm -hmm. his car. Um, So anyway, it's uh, but we also need to remember to have the human connection, not just to be in the place of fear, because we know that that helps our immune Mm -hmm. system as well. It's a balancing act. But speaking of good health, I'm so excited about our guest today. This is somebody I have been following for years. I've, I've read many of his books. And what we're going to be talking about today is the new science of food, hormones, and health. Because hidden in everyday foods are causes of surprising range of health problems, from infertility and menstrual cramps to weight gain, hair loss, various types of cancers, uh, hot flashes, and much more. All of these conditions, as it turns out, according to our guest today, uh, are fueled by hormones. And we're going to learn about how to balance that. 
Our guest today is Neil Barnard, MD, FACC, and he's an adjunct professor of medicine at George Washington University of Medicine in Washington, D.C., and president of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, which is a wonderful organization I follow and support. Uh, Dr. Barnard has led numerous research studies investigating the effects of diet on diabetes, body weight, chronic pain, including groundbreaking study of dietary interventions in type 2 diabetes, which is really exciting, funded by the NIH, and paved the way for viewing type 2 diabetes as a potentially reversible condition for many patients. It's important information. Dr. Barnard has authored more than 90 scientific publications and 20 books, many of those I've read, for medical and lay readers, and he's the editor of and editor-in-chief of the Nutrition Guide for Clinicians, a textbook made available to all U.S. medical students. As president of the Physicians Committee, Dr. Barnard leads programs advocating for preventative medicine, good nutrition, and higher ethical standards in research. His research contributed to the acceptance of plant-based diets and the dietary guidelines for Americans. And anyway, he's, he's an amazing doctor and uh, a good human being as well. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Dr. Neil Barnard. Welcome. Thank you. Terrific to be with you today. You know, um, I know eventually I'm going to be asking you about our immune system because it's relevant to what's going on in our country right now, and particularly for listeners in our area. But I am just fascinated by all the healings that you talk about in your book, Your Body in Balance, The New Science of Food, Hormones, and Health. Um, why have you put a book together focusing on hormones? I have to say I stumbled into this by accident, really. I, I was sitting at my desk one day, and the phone rang, and it was a young woman who had, she had terrible, terrible pain in her abdomen. It was, it was really menstrual cramps, but uh -huh. for about 1 in 10 women, they are off the scale bad. And she said, I've got a business trip tomorrow, and I can barely get out of bed. What mm -hmm. am I going to do? And so I thought, okay, I could give you painkillers for a couple of days. What are we going to do to prevent this next month and the month after that? And right. so as I was thinking about it, I recommended something that I don't think any doctor ever recommended before for a patient with menstrual pain. And that was, I said, how about taking all the animal products out of your diet for the next month uh -huh. and no added oil, just really low fat and completely vegan? She said, well, okay, I'll, I'll give it a try. Mm -hmm. And she called me back the next month and she said, this is amazing. You know, my, my cycle arrived. Um, no symptoms whatsoever. And that continued month after month. And so I decided to then put it to a larger test with Georgetown University's Department of OBGYN, and we found that it worked. And obviously, the reason that I suggested this, even though it was just an educated guess, uh -huh. was because that menstrual cramps are, are fueled by hormones. If a woman has extra estrogen, the female sex hormone in her mm -hmm. blood, that will stimulate too much thickening of the uterine lining in anticipation of pregnancy. If it thickens up too much, you get more cramps at the end of the month. Right. And mm. so we've known for a while that if you really increase fiber, high-fiber foods, and if you get rid of fatty foods, estrogen levels go down. So I thought, there's a chance this will work, and bingo, that was it. And uh -huh. so I thought, okay, cramps don't kill you, but if I can control the hormones that lead to that, then we can cut the risk of anything that's hormone-related, at least we can try. Uh -huh. So I'm talking about, for women, breast cancer or ovarian cancer or uterine cancer or for men, prostate cancer um, or all the other hormonal-related conditions and then thinking beyond sex hormones, thyroid hormone or insulin. All of these are hormones that are influenced by what you had for breakfast. Doctors don't talk about it. Patients don't understand it. And I thought, let's try to make this easy and practical for people. So it, it, I find it fascinating that doctors don't get much education in nutrition. Well, in, a, in the typical um, medical program, how many hours does somebody get trained with nutri about nutrition? Well, it, it's very few hours, and, and equally importantly is the hours that are dedicated to it are usually to things that are not relevant to modern practice. For example, um, they will describe, when I was in medical school at the George Washington University, you know, we, we were taught the chemical structure of vitamin C, uh -huh. and we were told that uh, English sailing ships uh, had people getting scurvy because they didn't, you know, and that when they gave them limes, the scurvy went away. But how is that relevant 
to a person coming into my clinic with di- type 2 diabetes right. or high cholesterol or overweight or any of these things. And so we really do need to change what doctors know because they in turn can help patients. And I have to say in my primary care clinic that we run here in Washington, um, a day doesn't go by when we don't see a patient with type 2 diabetes mm-hmm. who has been sort of fumbled around with by previous doctors who never gave the patient really good nutritional advice on how to tackle the disease. Yeah. I know, though, that some of the nutritional advice out there, even amongst more holistic practitioners, is um, not consistent. I'm thinking of how there are many people out there recommending more towards the keto diet, um, more animal protein. And what you're saying is it's important to have less. Why is that? Right. That, that's exactly right. Um, that, and I feel your pain, I have to say. It's, <laughs> yeah. hard. it's very challenging these days when one day it's, a press release goes one direction and the next day it's something else. Um, we have identified the cause of type 2 diabetes, and it's something people are often not aware of. What, what happens is that insulin is made in the pancreas, and it goes to the cells of the body to help sugar get inside. Insulin is like a key that opens up each cell to let glucose come into the cell to power it. Uh-huh. And the reason that insulin is not working well in type 2 diabetes is that the cells are all filled with fat particles. The oh. cells get fat. It's called intramyocellular lipid, but it's, it's just fat building up inside the muscle cell. And that stops insulin from working. So, so the, it's kind of like the, 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 the locks have gotten gunked up so the keys don't work. Exactly. If somebody put chewing gum in your front door lock, there's nothing wrong with your key. Right. It's not going to get the door open. And if your cells are filled with fat, your insulin is fine, but it cannot signal the cell to open up to sugar. Okay. And so we use a diet that avoids animal fat completely. It's a vegan diet. And we keep oils low. And that cleans the fat out of the cells to a large degree. And it uh-huh. allows the cells to work again. Now, people, when they use a keto diet, uh-huh. what they're doing is they're recognizing the, the body needs glucose. And they are denying it glucose. They're saying, don't have any fruit. Uh-huh. Don't have any starchy right. vegetables. And, and what they're doing is they're throwing the body into a type of starvation that forces the body to rely on fat as its energy source. Uh-huh. And some people don't lose weight with it. Some do. Um, many have bad side effects, and we do not recommend that diet, but, it, but it's a fad. And mm-hmm. it, it comes and it goes, and I understand that people find it popular for at least the first, first week that they use it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. We have to go to a quick break, but um, stay tuned for more about how to get your body back in balance by what you eat, and how it affects your hormones. Stay tuned for more. How many times do you find yourself saying, it was nothing, or just doing my job, when really you knocked it out of the park? How did you get like this? Next time someone tells you, great job, you'll know how to accept it and not deflect it by listening to Courage to be Seen Radio with host Sherry Clark. Sherry Clark is an experienced global engineering leader, coach, and mentor. From her experiences one-on-one coaching to corporate consulting and executive coaching, Sherry has learned many women need at least three things to discover and face success. Learn about the ACES program, how to survive male-dominated fields with grace and authenticity, and reach the top without ever once giving up on who you are. Courage to be Seen host Sherry Clark explores the awesome power of your entire self and how far you can go by being more you. Check out her website, CourageToBeSeen.com. You have the courage to be seen. See you later. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. Years ago when facing cancer, without any immediate treatment options, I sought healing by making various life changes. For a while, I followed a very restrictive diet. I often found myself obsessing about which foods were good and which ones were bad. Then one day I realized I was consuming foods based on fear, fear of not getting well. But I didn't want to make choices out of fear anymore. I decided it was far better for my immune system if I allowed myself to experience the joy that came from, say, eating frozen yogurt, than it was for me to ingest the fear that came from avoiding it. Now, instead of choosing healthy habits based on fear, I try to make choices because they feel right and ultimately bring me joy and ease. How many of your healthy habits are really based on fear? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. 
That's 425-999-9836. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to transformationradio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change, with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here in KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. I'm talking to Dr. Neil Barnard, and um, we're talking about how to get our bodies back into balance based on hormones. So what do the foods we put into our body have to do with our hormones? Okay. Um, yes, H- hormones direct much of what happens in your body, and foods affect them. And, and sometimes in, in very surprising ways. Let me give you an anecdote, if I may. Um, there was an Air Force aerospace engineer who... Um, was in Iraq uh, in, back in 2003, and her name was Catherine, mm-hmm. and she designed the military bases. And when you're in a war zone, you're working hard, you're not eating much, you don't gain any weight. Uh-huh. But when her tour of duty came to an end, she got shipped back to the U.S., and she started tucking into all the stuff that she missed when she was in Iraq, mm-hmm. macaroni and cheese, and cheese especially, but other things too. She started gaining weight, but then she started gaining, uh, getting pain, pain in her abdomen. Oh, it turned okay. out to be endometriosis. Uh-huh. Um, which is a condition where the cells that are supposed to line the uterus are now escaping, and they're implanting all around the abdomen. cause terrible pain and infertility. Oh. And to make a long story short, the medical treatments didn't work, and the doctor recommended a hysterectomy for mm. her. Because um, even though she was only 27, he said, oh, dear. this will at least cure your intractable pain, and you're probably infertile anyway. Um, she, before she could have the, the hysterectomy, though, she got a nutrition consultation and took all the cheese out of her diet uh-huh. and all the animal products altogether. It was a, a vegan diet, very low in fat, and she started to feel dramatically better. But nonetheless, when the day of her operation came, she dutifully reported to the hospital, uh-huh. and the doctor opened her up, and then she woke up about an hour later in the recovery room, and the doctor said, Catherine, I have to tell you, your endometriosis has somehow gone away. <laughs> um, and so I didn't feel good about doing the hysterectomy. I didn't do it. Um, you had a lot of scarring where it used to be. Um, and it, it, anyway, um, she ended up having three children. Oh, um, wow. She wasn't infertile after all. And so, so you asked about foods. How could foods play a role? Sure. And especially cheese. What's that about? Well, a condition like menstrual cramps or endometriosis, they're fueled by too much estrogen activity. Uh-huh. Estrogen is found in cheese. Um, a cow makes female sex hormones that are a match for yours, and they go in, into milk, and when milk is concentrated to make cheese, the estrogens follow along with it. Um, and this doesn't just affect women, it affects men. Uh-huh. Uh, sperm counts in men have been dropping as cheese intake has been rising in the United States, and researchers tested this by going into a fertility clinic in Rochester, New York, and the men consuming the most cheese had the lowest sperm counts. Um, it also affects sperm morphology and motility, meaning the shape and whether they can spoon straight. Mm-hmm. So my point is that dairy products contain hormones that are going to facilitate hormone-related diseases. And then high-fiber foods help you to eliminate excess estrogen. Interesting. And high-fat foods do the opposite. They seem to elevate hormones, although we haven't yet figured out the mechanism by which 
So getting back to that keto diet, you know, it's, it's like the double whammy because there is all that fat combined with lack of fiber. It's, yes. Um, some people following this diet, if they're not really careful, they get sometimes heroic constipation mm-hmm. um, where it's just a miserable thing. And some of them have tried to make up for it with various fiber supplements. But, but that's sort of a guide to the foods that nature designed your body for, if uh-huh. I can put it that way. Right. Uh, fiber is a part of every plant that you ever put into your, your mouth. And, and uh, if you're not eating those things, then all of these problems will get worse. And, and obviously the things we're really concerned about are something like colorectal cancer, sure. um, which is encouraged by meaty diets. Um, and uh, is, unfortunately, those are foods that are emphasized on these kinds of fad diets. Uh-huh. I, I've also been reading about and hearing about um, hydration and I'm not sure if you're familiar with the concept of gel water and um, what Gerald Pollack talk, talks about as the fourth phase of water. It's the, the, the way our bodies hydrate is to have that in our bodies. Um, and if we drink water, it doesn't necessarily get converted to that. But if we eat it in our foods, it's already in that form. Oh, yes. You, you know, the, you've, you've heard the old notion that you have to have eight uh, glasses of water every day. Uh-huh. Well, if you're eating a fruit or a bowl of oatmeal or, or something like that, it has uh-huh. water in it. Right. Um, so you don't necessarily be, need, need to even consume a glass of water at all because the foods that your body really responds to best have water in them as a natural part of, of the food. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, you mentioned prostate cancer, I think, at one point. So, so far you've talked about, um, you know, female issues, endometriosis and, and such, but what about prostate cancer and, you know, how do the hormones affect that and how does food affect that? Yes, we're still trying to understand this, but one of the things that has really come out also relates to dairy. And it, dairy isn't everything there is to it, but I do have to pick on it for this. Um, if you look around the world, the dairying countries have much more prostate cancer. So Harvard researchers did a study called the Physician's Health Study uh-huh. where they found among a very large group of physicians that those who consume the most milk had 34% higher risk of prostate cancer compared to people avoiding it. And so they then did a follow-up study called the Health Professionals Follow-Up Study, and it showed that the increased risk of cancer was now about 60%. And there was a meta-analysis that came out a couple years ago based on many studies, and they said basically, believe it, Uh, milk, when when a calf drinks milk, it causes the calf's blood to have more of something called IGF-1 that is a growth stimulus caused by drinking milk. Right. And, and, and that makes thing. sense because cows turn into very large cows over a short period of time, right? Right. Well, that's the whole point of milk from a cow. It's to facilitate that very rapid growth. But if you're an adult man or woman, uh-huh. growth in your body can mean growth of, of abnormal cells. Oh. Um, and the IGF-1 or insulin-like growth factor, if you mix it in a test tube, with prostate cancer cells, they grow like crazy. And the same is true with breast cancer cells. Wow. If you take IGF-1, mix it with breast cancer cells, they grow. So how much milk should you be feeding to your 7-year-old daughter or your 8-year-old son? The answer is none. Right. They should have mother's milk when they are a nursing baby mm-hmm. from their own mom. Yeah. And there's never a reason to give them milk from a cow. And it's interesting because um, uh, we wean babies very young in this culture. And I know that if, if babies don't get that milk, that cow's milk, um, they'll often, if, and it, they're allowed to nurse as long as possible, it, it can be a couple of years, three years out before they're completely weaned. And I think that um, so often people are weaning their babies onto cow's milk by six months, nine months, which yeah, is concerning. I, I, have to, I, I really think that's unfortunate. Um, because your baby is not a calf. And in some cases, the body recognizes these foreign proteins as foreign proteins, meaning uh-huh. uh, that they can, it can stimulate um, the or increase the risk of autoimmune conditions. This is still a matter under research, but one of the big hypotheses for the cause of type 1 diabetes is that you're exposing the child to cow's milk protein uh-huh. to trigger the formation of antibodies that destroy the baby's own insulin-producing cells. Um, that's still uh-huh. a hypothesis, but there's evidence supporting it. And, and as a doctor, I just have to say, get your milk from your mom. Mm-hmm. And what you said is exactly right. We should allow, in the workplace, 
or breast pumping, yes. whatever we can to make it easy on mom to be able to breastfeed her baby. Right. Um, that really should be part of our culture and, and not just something that's optional. Yeah. And I also think about the, the immune benefits because if mother and baby are together at least some of the time, they get exposed to the same germs, the mother's milk produces the antibodies, the baby gets it. It, it, it adds this other layer of safety, right? Not, not to mention the psychological benefits of mom oh, being yeah. with baby, baby being with mom. Um, this is part of life, and economic factors sometimes force us apart, but, but to the, I think the more the better. Uh, yeah, I agree. We're going to go to a quick break, but when we return, we are going to uh, venture into the topic of soy. Stay tuned for more with Dr. Neil Barnard here in just a few moments. Do you sometimes feel overwhelmed by your mind? Powerless when it seems to spin in worry circles or bombard you with self-critical thoughts? Do you want to learn how to master your mind and feel more in control of your life? Listen to Dr. Friedman's Empowerment Radio, shift from confusion to clarity, self-doubt to confidence, and from anxiety to peace and balance. Dr. Friedman and his many guest experts share the insights and tools you want to live with greater ease, joy, and purpose. Tune in to Empowerment Radio every first and third Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Your money is your creational energy. When you feed your wealth back into what you love, it signals your choices and returns to you. Tune in to Money Momentum with host Karen Baines and learn the truth about the widely misunderstood creative energy that is the cash in your pocket. Realign the things you can't see to get the results you can see. Listen every month for a whole new hour on how to get the money already aligned to who you are. For more information on Karen and Money Momentum, visit soulwhispers.uk. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Calling all moms, it's time to awaken your vibrant, intuitive, loving self in every area of your life. Join host Debbie Pokornik as she shares thoughts, stories, and tools to help you stand in your power. Listen to Vibrant Powerful Moms Helping Everyday Women Create Extraordinary Lives, Mondays at 2.30 Pacific, 5.30 Eastern. For more information about Debbie, visit empoweringenergy.com. That's empowering with letters N-R-G.com. Are you meeting your sales goals? Or maybe your business plan could use a dose of the divine. Tune in to Divinely Driven Results with faith-based business coach Elise Smith on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Coach Elise Smith helps listeners get unstuck from their business plateau and become empowered through divine guidance. Build up belief in yourself and your dreams and learn business strategies that work for you for real lasting results. Learn more by visiting www.DivinelyDrivenResults.com. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. I'm so excited to be talking to the author of Your Body in Balance, The New Science of Food, Hormones, and Health, Dr. Neil Barnard. Now, Neil, you were talking about, um, on the break, you were talking about how there are not only middle-aged people who are having issues with thyroid, but young people, too. First of all, what, how, what is the thyroid? How, how does it serve us? And what is an imbalance like? Your thyroid gland is Clark Kent. It's, it's this understated, for people who remember Superman, Clark Kent was, was Superman when nobody know, knew it was him. He was right. a, kind of the nerdy guy who worked at the, at the newspaper, um, who had secret power. Um, your, your thyroid gland is this unassuming organ at the base of your neck, um, and, but it's responsible for energy. It makes thyroid hormone, and that gets into the bloodstream, and that gives energy to all the cells of your body. So you wake up in the morning, and you're dragged out. You're fatigued. You're tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, you find yourself gaining weight. 
And you see the doctor, and all these are kind of vague symptoms. It's not very specific. But then you notice your, your skin and hair are dry, and they don't feel right. And eventually your doctor says, I think I know what this is, mm-hmm. and draws a blood sample. And you're hypothyroid. Mm-hmm. Your, your thyroid gland isn't making enough. And the opposite can happen. You could be hyperthyroid, where you feel revved up and on edge, um, and it's, it's unpleasant. And we're, we are seeing more and more of it. And part of the reason is, is a little bit of a surprise. Um, your thyroid gland needs iodine. I, I, iodine is made uh, or it, it is used to make thyroid hormone. Uh-huh. And back in 1924, the Morton Salt Company marketed iodized salt with the little girl with the umbrella on the blue box. Right. Um, and that pretty much wiped out iodine deficiency, and it, and it, it really eliminated hypothyroidism to a very substantial degree. But modern people now use Himalayan salt right. or sea salt or kosher salt, and, and they have their advantages, but, but they are typically not iodized. And so we're seeing more people become hypothyroid for that reason. And the other thing is that it turns out that certain foods appear to trigger an autoimmune reaction so that your body is attacking your own thyroid with antibodies. Mm-hmm. Now, there, there is still research going on in this direction, but the biggest reason why people are low in, in thyroid in the United States is a condition called Hashimoto's thyroiditis, uh-huh. which just means that your body is making antibodies to your own thyroid gland that are attacking it. And we believe that in at least some of those cases, foods are triggering the production of, of these antibodies, uh, specifically meat and dairy products are, are the, the, offending, the offenders here, we believe. Interesting. Interesting. So if it's attacking um, your own thyroid that's getting produced, you don't have enough in your body. That's exactly right. And yeah. the, uh, the opposite can occur where you make thyroid, anti-thyroid hormones to the regulatory part of the thyroid uh-huh. so that the thyroid can't turn off. And now you're making too much thyroid hormone. Right. Um, and that's hyperthyroidism. It's called Graves' disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the reason that we are suspecting food is there has been a huge research study called the Adventist Health Study. And researchers have been putting Seventh-day Adventists under the microscope for decades because they are an, a, a researcher's dream. Mm-hmm. This tens of thousands of teetotaling non-smokers. Right. <laughs> um, and so they're extremely health-conscious people. There's lots of them. Um, and, but they vary in diet, so it gives you the ability to compare different diet groups. And what they found is that people who avoided animal products had the least hypothyroidism, but surprisingly, the people who had the most were lacto-ovo-vegetarians, meaning they oh. weren't eating meat, but they were making up for it with, with cheese or mm. other dairy products, and they seemed to have the most. And then when it came to hyperthyroidism, again, the people on a vegan diet or the, the people who avoided meat and dairy had by far the least risk of hyperthyroidism. Uh-huh. But now the people who had the most were the people who ate both meat and dairy, and they had much more higher, much higher risk. So we do not yet have a good double-blind trial sure. uh, or, or any kind of trial to see if you can prevent this or reverse it with a diet change. But what we have, we're now accumulating individual cases where people are, are trying it out one by one by one. Yeah. And we're seeing uh, a number of cases of reversal of these diseases. So this, this don't cancel your doctor's appointment. Don't throw away your pills. But there's every reason to follow a healthy diet. And for our listeners' perspective, um, one of the things that, I think a lot of people don't understand is when you're looking at behavior and looking at correlations such as what you were just talking about there, um, it, it, it leads to some interesting questions and some good evidence of, of what's going on, but you can't definitively say it from a statistical perspective until you have that double-blind randomized sti- uh, trial because you cannot show causality unless um, you, know, you have that experiment. So um, it's, and I know that you've done many kinds of experiments through, you know, researching various things in order to answer these questions, but it does always give you a heads up like, okay, well, there's this correlation. Those who drink a lot of milk, you know, have this issue. Yes. Um, may I say that was said like the expert statistician that you are. <laughs> um, Used to be. <laughs> you, you, know, you, you, are, you are exactly right. Uh-huh. Um, what, we, what we're looking, where, where we often start is with correlations, and, and that's how we found out, say, the risk factors for heart disease. Uh-huh. People with high cholesterol levels tended to have heart disease, but you couldn't really prove that one caused the other. And, of course, then later on you, you can prove it uh-huh. by using diets that change. 
thyroid. That's the stage we're at now, uh -huh. where we found these correlations, we found a good mechanism for it, and we found individuals where it's worked. Um, and so now you have to have, instead of just 5 or 10 or 20 or, or 30 individual cases where it works, you need to do it in a more organized and controlled way. Yeah. And, th and that's where we are with the thyroid. Of course, I think about the challenges. As a former research statistician, I think about the challenges it must present when you're having people change their diets because um, humans are hard to control. <laughs> How does that work? You can do it in two different ways. Um, one way to do it is that you bring people in, you lock them up in a metabolic ward, uh -huh. and, and you feed them exactly the, the foods that you want to test. Um, but our team does it differently because we want to know not just what happens, but what happens when you interpret the diet in your own way. Mm. So in 2003, NIH gave us a grant to test a, a better diet for type 2 diabetes. And the idea was to allow people to eat at home or at restaurants or whatever um, to see if it would work in the context of real life. Yes. As opposed to just in, only in the most motivated people who are locked up and have no control. Um, and if you can prove something in that context, then you're really on to something. And, of course, that's what we did, is that we found a diet that was 300% better at controlling blood sugar than the best current diet. Um, and, and started it really started something very different, which was we started to see diabetes going away. Yeah, that is so fascinating to me. And I've, you know, I've read about and seen some video about this sort of thing before. And the, the thought, the, even the current thought out there, I think, is that it's not reversible. You can control it by limiting, um, you know, what you put into your body, but it's never going to go away. Yes, that school of thought is rapidly in decline. Um, we now view it as a two-way street. Um, and it depends on how you define it. The way I would define it as going away is meaning that there's no trace of it anymore. Uh -huh. um, and so for, I'll give you an example. There was a man named Vance who was a policeman in, D in Washington, D.C., and joined one of our studies, and he had diabetes all up and down his family tree. He came in, he adopted a completely plant-based diet, kept oils very low, followed the guidelines. And over about a year, he lost 60 pounds. He stopped his diabetes medication, and his blood sugars, fell into absolutely the normal range, not even, not even pre-diabetes. Wow. Absolutely normal. But because this was 16 years ago or thereabouts, i had, I got to tell you, I paced around in my office for about 10 minutes trying to decide if I could tell him that he no longer had diabetes because <laughs> at that point, that just was never an expectation. Right. But now we see it all the time. Yeah. Um, not so much for a person who's had diabetes for 30 years. They will improve with a plant-based diet. But if a person you get them fairly near the time of diagnosis, mm -hmm. and you really use the diet right. And I think Vance had had diabetes for maybe five years or something. Uh -huh. um, you can make this disease go away, um, which is, I have to tell you, it, it is the most exciting thing for both the patient and the medical team. Yeah. To be able to cure this disease is a wonderful thing. And, and type 2 diabetes, the, the health issues and the way that they often die, it's it's terrifying and so I, I imagine people are very motivated yeah exactly and, and type 1 as well um, type 1 diabetes is the, is the situation where your body isn't making insulin anymore uh -huh. um, so you need to inject it and, and that we can't stop you're going to still need to use uh, insulin however uh -huh. um, this same diet allows the person to use much less insulin maybe, maybe 30 or 40 percent less and also it we believe it greatly reduces the risk of Complications. I'm talking about vision loss sure. or um, circulation problems or uh, neuropathy pain or losing your kidney function or, or frankly, um, the 10 or 15 years of lost life that people can expect if it's uncontrolled. Wow, that's so exciting. Okay, so I, I, I promised listeners we talk about soy. Soy has gotten a really bad rap in the last 5 to 10 years. Uh, they're saying it's estrogenic, you know, it's going to affect your hormones, you're going to have too many female hormones in your body. Uh, your book says otherwise. What's going on about that? Okay. Um, soy products do have what are called isoflavones. And in test tube studies, you can show that they do, in fact, attach to estrogen receptors. And so that freaked everybody out. Uh -huh. It freaked out men. Uh, you'll read in men's magazines that you will get man boobs if you consume soy products. Yeah. I, I've heard um, that from my sons. Oh, Mom, you know, I shouldn't eat this. Well, I have to say, go to the beach in August. And you find a heavyset guy who's taken his shirt off, and he has some sort of breast enhancement. Uh -huh. go, go right up to him and ask him, how much 
tofu have you eaten this past week? <laughs> and I guarantee, you know, edamame, right. you know, miso tempeh, uh-huh. I guarantee you, he's going to say, what are you talking about? I've never eaten that in my whole life. Uh-huh. And what he does eat is cheeseburgers and pizza. Uh-huh. And as he has gained weight, his fat cells are converting his testosterone into estrogen. And that is causing his breast development. It has nothing to do with soy. Um, and then the, the next thing is that people have mistakenly said that women who consume soy would have a higher risk of breast cancer. Yes, or so and, they, and, and women who've had breast cancer, their doctors have said, you know, don't eat soy. Right. Um, so this has been put to the test. And what we have found in many, many, many studies, all put together in meta-analyses, is that women consuming the most soy, like soy milk, tofu, tempeh, um, they have about 30% less risk of developing breast cancer compared to other women. And women who have had breast cancer diagnosed in the past have about 30% less risk of a recurrence or of dying of their cancer. So soy does the opposite of what people thought. It reduces cancer risk, and it also reduces the likelihood of dying of your cancer. And by the way, for men, it has about a similar effect on prostate cancer. So the reason why is that you have more than one kind of estrogen receptor which we didn't used to know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, your car has a, a, a gas pedal, and it has a brake. Right. And where your foot goes will be have a very different effect on the car. Of course. So soy products are a brake. They reduce the likelihood of developing breast cancer. And, and, and prostate that, cancer, too, right? You, and prostate cancer. Yeah. And so for a well-meaning oncologist who tells a woman who had, had breast cancer, says, I wouldn't eat soy if I were you, mm-hmm. you have just condemned that woman to about a 30% higher risk of dying of her cancer. It's, it's a mistake. Wow. Um, plus, soy is always better than what it replaces. If you have soy sausage, mm-hmm. then it's not going to be pork sausage. Yes. And that's a good chip. Yeah. This is fascinating. Um, we're going to go to another quick break, but when we return, we're going to learn about how you can step into uh, a vegan diet at, in order to adjust your hormones and thrive. If you struggle with fear and anxiety, you know how powerless and stuck these emotions can make you feel. You've tried everything, but nothing helped you overcome these blocks. Dr. Friedman Schaub, award-winning author of The Fear and Anxiety Solution, created a special program which helped thousands of his clients to become healthy, happy, and confident again. Learn how to eliminate negative self-talk, let go of your emotional baggage, and replace limiting beliefs. With Dr. Friedman's accelerated program, you can break through your challenges. Visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. Your money is your creational energy when you feed your wealth back into what you love. It signals your choices and returns to you. Tune in to Money Momentum with host Karen Baines and learn the truth about the widely misunderstood creative energy that is the cash in your pocket. Realign the things you can't see to get the results you can see. Listen every month for a whole new hour on how to get the money already aligned to who you are. For more information on Karen and Money Momentum, visit soulwhispers.uk. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Calling all moms, it's time to awaken your vibrant, intuitive, loving self in every area of your life. Join host Debbie Pokornik as she shares thoughts, stories, and tools to help you stand in your power. Listen to Vibrant Powerful Moms Helping Everyday Women Create Extraordinary Lives, Mondays at 2.30 Pacific, 5.30 Eastern. For more information about Debbie, visit empoweringenergy.com. That's empowering with letters N-R-G.com. 
Are you meeting your sales goals? Or maybe your business plan could use a dose of the divine. Tune in to Divinely Driven Results with faith-based business coach Elise Smith on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Coach Elise Smith helps listeners get unstuck from their business plateau and become empowered through divine guidance. Build up belief in yourself and your dreams and learn business strategies that work for you for real lasting results. Learn more by visiting www.DivinelyDrivenResults.com. Welcome back to the Christine Eptrich Show here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. Boy, Neil, this hour has been flying by. Before we go any further, I want people to know how they can connect with you. What's your website, and um, how can they find out more information? Oh, well, thank you. Um, our website is pcrm.org. That stands for Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, pcrm.org. Great. Okay, so um, let's see. I, th- I think we were going to talk about how somebody can become a vegan. Like, let's say they're, they're, they've been doing the keto diet or they've been eating the, you know, how they were raised, which includes plenty of meat or plenty of dairy or both. How does a person transition to becoming a vegan? Yeah. Um, I guess the first thing is to make sure that uh, why you're doing this. Um, it's a great way to lose weight. It's a great way to reverse diabetes. For a person with heart disease, it's fabulous. But it's good to have a goal in mind. To think why you're why you're doing this. There's never a reason not to do it. And then, the what what a plant-based diet really means is vegetables and fruits and whole grains and beans. Those four groups mm-hmm. do take vitamin B12 because you need it for healthy nerves and healthy blood. And a lot of people are low in B12 regardless of diet, but it's it's really essential in my view. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you how do you make a shift? Um, take a week, seven days, and during this time, don't change your diet, but but test out possible foods if you had changed your diet. So if you have cornflakes of milk every day, mm-hmm. try almond milk or soy milk or rice milk or hemp milk or, or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, or if you have a submarine sandwich at lunchtime every day, try the, the, the meatless one. Try, try the one that's got lettuce and tomato and cucumbers and spinach and hot peppers and red wine vinegar and you know whatever. Uh-huh. Or if you go to the taco place every day, have the bean burrito and hold the cheese. So, so take seven days and just figure out what you would eat if you were following a completely plant-based diet. Then, after the seven days are done, now is the time to start. Take three weeks, and during these three weeks, eliminate all animal products. But that's easy because it's only three weeks, uh-huh. and you already picked out the foods that work for you. Right. And hopefully you've stocked up. You've got cans of split pea soup and minestrone and whatever you know, in, in your, on your shelves, and you know that when you go to an Italian restaurant, you can get spaghetti with tomato sauce. You're ready. And at the end of three weeks, two things will have happened. The first is, physically, you are changing. Your blood sugar is coming down. You're losing weight. Your energy is better. Your digestion is better. But the other half of this is how you feel mentally. You you, you don't miss the foods you thought you couldn't live without. Uh And you're finding all kinds of cool foods. And you're going to say to yourself, gee, have I been just eating off the kids' menu all my life? Now I'm finding really delicious foods that really work for me. So let that happen. But if you focus on just three weeks, that short-term focus makes it doable and mm-hmm. not a daunting prospect. Right. As a person who both adopted a vegan diet and quit smoking uh-huh. at the same year. Oh, um, my goodness. Quitting smoking is hard. Adopting a completely vegan diet is easier. Okay. And I should say that I use the word vegan not for myself as a person, uh-huh. but for my food. I say I don't say I'm a vegan I, because that makes it sound like I have a taste for folk music. Um, but what I, say in, <laughs> what I say instead is I will say I eat vegan food right. or my diet is a vegan diet, uh-huh. something like that. Yeah, people do have a, an image of you know, what a vegan looks like. Oh, yes, I'm a philosopher. I yes. wear tie-dye. I, I work in a library. You've got Birkenstocks you know. on too, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But, but i got to tell you, the, the saving grace lately has been athletes. As you know, yes. uh, many athletes are doing this now. It started with distance runners and then tennis with uh, Venus Williams and Novak Djokovic, like mm-hmm. uh, just the top tennis players. Yeah. And uh, then we're seeing it in football because the football players, they want to be big, but they don't, they don't want to be flabby. Right. Um, they want to be muscular. And that is been a really cool change. That's exciting. You know, our hour is flying by, but I do want to also talk about, and we've talked about disease and preventing disease and reversing disease. What about something as simple as mood? We discovered this by accident, actually. We were working with GEICO, the the car insurance company, Uh 
uh, as doing a research study to see if people could get healthy at work. So we introduced plant-based foods in the cafeteria and had a weekly class. And what you'd expect to happen, happened. People lost weight, their diabetes got better, they, they, they loved it. But what we also noticed is that mood changed. Depression seemed to remit. And anxiety also improved. And then job absenteeism got better. And what we think is happening is that you're changing. As you know, the gut is connected to the brain. Mm -hmm. If you have a healthy gut, people's mood changes. And we think that the foods going through the digestive tract no longer cheese and meat, which foster unhealthy bacterial growth. Uh-huh. It's now high-fiber vegetables and fruits and healthy foods. And within about a two-week period of time, it changes the gut bacteria. And it also reduces inflammatory compounds in the blood uh-huh. that we feel that when that changes, that also helps the depression to remit. These are theories. But what we and other researchers have seen is that there is an effect on mood, which is really cool to see. That's very exciting because we have so many depressed people these days. I mean, it, it's, it's an epidemic. It is. And I encourage people, don't cancel your doctor's appointment. Take, take depression seriously. A suicide uh-huh. is, is a real risk. Yeah, but is. there is never a reason, no matter what regimen you're on, there's never a reason to not include a fully plant-based diet and see what that will do for you. So there aren't any risks with that is what you're saying is... Correct. Because there are a lot of people who have this perspective that I'm not going to get enough protein or, you know, it's, it's not going to be healthy for me because this is what I've learned and is truth and you're saying something different. You're saying there or, are no risks. Oh, it's precisely the opposite. Meat eaters, uh, because meat has no fiber, it has no vitamin C, it has no complex carbohydrate, you end up with a very lopsided diet with a lot of fat, especially bad fat, uh-huh. more protein than you're ever going to need, and you're missing vitamin C, fiber, I mean, and you're missing important antioxidants, your immune system is not so hot. Um, a meat-based diet is largely a deficient diet and a diet loaded with vegetables and fruits and beans and whole grains supplemented with B12, which I mentioned earlier. Uh-huh. That's a great dietary pattern. Yeah, This is fascinating information. I want to mention um, your latest book, which is a wonderful book. I, I read it cover to cover. I haven't gotten through all the recipes. And I know we were going to mention the recipes really quickly. Who, who was it who wrote the recipes? Oh, Lindsay Nixon is a great recipe developer. When she sent me the 65 recipes, she sent a note along with it. that said, Dr. Barnard, this way of eating cured my cramps, too, which uh-huh. I thought That's I hadn't been realized. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that was validation. Yeah, yeah. So it's fascinating information um, and uh, wonderful recipes, and it's called Your Body in Balance, uh, Neil Barnard. Neil, it's been great to have you here today, and I'm so grateful for what you bring to the world, and I'm so thankful that you're sharing it with our audience here today. Well, thank you for including me, and thank you for all you do to educate and inspire so many people, and Uh, thank you for for letting me be part of the program. This has been fabulous, and I want to thank you for joining us here today. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at christineupchurch.com where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions.